Uh, he's on it. Yeah. Yeah. Nas has always been a. a... But I, like in the late nineties, he wasn't. Well, not. Nas put out three really good. I'm recording now, by the way. Okay. Just because you know that so, was yeah. a good topic. So, Nas put out really good, um, like three really really fucking good albums. You know, Illmatic, Stillmatic, and It Was Written are probably mm-hmm. the three, like, those are on my top 20, you know, mm-hmm. rap albums. They, you know, was, he never has had a bad feature, um, which is more than I can say for a lot of artists. Yeah. Uh, he is, I think that he gets his due, um, but I think that part of the reason that like maybe you don't hear about him as much is he never really had crossover appeal. You know what I mean? Yeah, he couldn't really do yeah. he didn't really cross over into pop. He was a little bit too raw for pop. Yeah. It wasn't radio play stuff. It was just, Well that's yeah, that's what I was talking about. When you guys were talking about songs you don't hear anymore, I was mm-hmm. like I was like I mean I even on like ninety six five the buzz or something like that, like mm-hmm. they'll play regulators like yeah, <laughs> three which times a day. I do not like that fucking song. Regulators. I've never liked it. I've always hated it. I've always been like, this song is like, even when it was like popular, uh-huh. I was like, this song is not like it's it's in that weird space where like it's not fast enough that you could dance to it, mm-hmm. but it's not slow enough that like it's a vibe. It's just kind of this like weird storytelling song. Which don't get me wrong, I love a good storytelling song for sure. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to hear a story about somebody got punked and their buddy had to bail them out, though. Right. Fuck out of This is the wrong genre of music. <laughs> no, why are we bragging about this? This is crazy. You know, no. like, I look like, like, to me, like a good story, children's story um, mm. by Slick Rick. Fucking Still, amazing. One of the best, one of the best storytelling raps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of also, Nas time. had a really good one. The one he does in reverse. Yes. That song is fantastic. God, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. I can't think of it right now either, but yeah, like Nas has, and he's got that, like the, 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 the voice and the face and the Mm -hmm. skills. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, when I I think about like rappers who didn't really get their Mm -hmm. shine or didn't get like, to me, Jadakiss number is, is one of the greatest rappers of all time, but he doesn't have, the face like he's yeah, a, that's yeah. an ugly dude <laughs> so you don't like so he doesn't have that marketable face mm-hmm. but like the voice the gravelly voice mm-hmm. and the yeah. lyrical content is there i can listen to a jdk's album oh you know straight through no yeah. skips um i think my issue with drake which is how we got into this is why i don't i like drake is he does a lot of whining well, like, yeah yeah and i just i like to me if you are a rapper you know what I mean? Like, and don't get me wrong, there are Drake songs that I like. For sure, yeah. Um, and there are Drake features that I like. Yeah. You know, like his feature on Only with Nicki Minaj mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that, was, if it's him and Nicki and Wayne, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> strangely enough, I don't like them individually yeah. as a general rule, mm-hmm. but like you get them together and usually something I can get get behind. Um, you don't like whiny rappers. He's a rapper that's from Degrassi, though. He is. So. And the other part is, like, I, it's, like, I don't know whether you're from London, you're from fucking Jamaica, or you're from Toronto. Like, mm-hmm. figure, pick a lane <laughs> and stay in that lane. Right, you know what fair. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. get good at that thing. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and Drake is, but he's marketable. He's a yeah, pretty dude. For sure. 
You know what I mean? He doesn't look threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, and State Farm commercials tonight. Oh, it's it is really fun. It is fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Google Photos commercial. It's really fucking good. And they use Photograph by Nickelback, which oh, I have is a seen terrible that commercial. fucking song, but goddamn, that commercial, it is good. They, yeah, they did I, a good I job. did see that. That, that was a Super Bowl commercial. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. All right. Yeah, um, we can talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, because we actually didn't record two weeks ago because it was the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Um sure. But before we get into that, hi everybody, and thanks for call- Thanks for listening to uh, KC Caffeine. I almost hit you with the work trip. My bad. Um, my name is Jason. Uh, with me, we have our wonderful co-host uh, Mike. Yep. Uh, we okay. gave we gave Blue the night off, and uh, back by popular demand because I demanded it. That's <laughs> all that really matters. Yeah. Uh, Todd is back with us. Hi, Todd. Hi, what's up? It's been a long time. Yeah, uh, there's been this pandemic on, so... Yeah, we don't call it that. We call it anything but a pandemic. It's a panorama, <laughs> uh, a Panasonic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a Panda Express. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, disgusting. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's been going on. And so we haven't, you haven't been able to come, but I'm glad that you got it. You got to come in. Mike and, and Todd are meeting for the first time. Yeah. First time, yeah. yeah. Nice to meet you, man. Nice yeah. So this will be an interesting mm-hmm. thing to see. Um, she's gonna turn into a massive fist fight. You know, if, if, just go easy on me. That's all I need uh, to do. Yeah, I got a reputation to uphold. Um, so today we wanted to to have uh, a talk conversation on masculinity. Um, and I saw I found the two manliest men I know. Um, oh, wow. you're like, you need, it up. Yeah, I was gonna say you need to upgrade. <laughs> 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 but um. Before we get into that, I want to do a little bit of talking about things that happened over the this happened much over the year. Um, the first thing that we could talk about is the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want it was I outside of the game itself, which was to me, you know, and we have some, the sports guru here. I feel like you know the refs won that game, but um, there were some issues. With the the defense and the offense, and you know, I can only tell you so much about sports, um, so I can't really get into the weeds. But from what it looked like to me, it felt like the refs won won that game. I, I mean, so I, I actually do a Chiefs podcast, um, and, and you know, cover the Chiefs a little bit here and there. This is where you pimp your podcast. Back in the, drop yeah. the name. It's called Fourth and One. <laughs> uh, you can find it on you know, you can find it on iTunes stuff like that. I, I used to write for the for the, uh, the Kansas City Star, and now I work for a TV station in town. So we do, I do a podcast with another guy named Nick Jacobs, who um, used to uh, cover the Chiefs for Metro Sports. And then circumstances led us both to the same TV station. So so we we do this podcast together. And we talked a lot about it the week before on, on the 4th and 1 podcast about how Eric Fisher's injury uh, was the problem. I, I mean, yeah, there were some calls. I mean, if you go back and look at the Cleveland game and the Buffalo game, the two other playoff games the Chiefs had before the Super Bowl, um, they let Bashad Bre- Breeland and Charbarius Ward get a lot of get away with a lot of clutching and grabbing. They weren't calling a lot of that. And then the refs in the Super Bowl were calling some of those, uh, you know, ticky tack fouls a little bit more. And there were a couple like there was one on a deep throw down the left sideline where 
Sean Breland didn't even touch the dude, and the ball was overthrown to begin with, and there's no way that should have been a, a DPI. None of what you're saying is making sense. Yes, so, yeah, I'm I am, you to bring it. I am bring not a, so I'm not a so, sports person at all. So. <laughs> well, so, so basically there, there are rules about how much contact a defensive back can have um, with with the wide receiver. Like, you can only touch him within a few yards of line of scrimmage. And when they're coming out of breaks, you can only have your hands on him in certain positions. A lot of times the refs won't call it unless you pull them and like turn their hips to mm-hmm. kind of reroute them. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot of times they won't call it unless you're a good 10 yards down the field. And then you're, you got your hands all over and pushing mm-hmm. and maybe pulling on the back of the Jersey, stuff like that. Um, and so in the Cleveland game and the Buffalo game, the, the divisional playoff and the AFC championship game, the refs were letting a lot of that go. They were letting the guys fight, hand fight, play, uh, you know, just letting them, letting them, you know, letting the guys decide on the field. In the Super Bowl, they decided to call to call the game a little bit tighter, and so they were calling some more of that the, the stuff that they had been letting go. So, so yeah, the the refs, the way they called the game, um, I think, put the Chiefs in a, in a bind because. Rashad Breland is just a physical guy who does a lot of clutching and grabbing. And so when, when you're facing officials who are going to call every little clutch and every little grab, then Bashad Breland's going to get defensive holding penalties and things like that. And unfortunately, that's just the way it played out that game. But the much bigger issue to me was the loss of Eric Fisher at left tackle because they had been without three of their other starting offensive linemen most of the year, and they had been okay. But when Eric Fisher, tore, he, he uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon in the AFC Championship game, they lost their left tackle. And the left tackle is generally the best offensive lineman on an offensive line. And the Chiefs weren't great at the other four positions, especially with some of the injuries they had. And what was puzzling, though, was Nick and I talked before the, on our podcast about what adjustments do the Chiefs have to make since they're going to have backup right and left tackles now, because the right tackle had been out since October and they had to move the guy that had stepped in as the, you know, the backup right tackle and that had to move to the left, which is a completely different position. It's like, try It's like you've been doing everything for the last 10 weeks, right hand. And they say, Hey, biggest game of the year. One of the best pass rushes you faced all year. Now you got to do it all left-handed. So that's a tough position for him to be in. And then you got a guy who's used to playing right guard, He's got the center on one side and the right tackle on the other. And now they say, okay, we're going to kick you out to right tackle. You're still going to have a guy on your inside shoulder, but now you've got nothing but space out here. You don't have help to the, to your right anymore. And so that's a tough adjustment to make for, for both of those guys. So we had talked about, okay, what kind of things do you have to do, whether it's use a fullback more, use a tight end to help block on the edge, different things like that. We were going through like, and then, how does that affect the Chiefs offense? Because if you have one more guy that stays in the block, that means you have one fewer guy who's out on a route, giving Patrick Mahomes the option to throw to. What the Chiefs decided to do was not change anything. So they just said, oh, we're just going to do what we've done all year. The problem was, since the left tackle and the right tackle played like dog shit, um, now Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is running for his life back there on every snap. He doesn't have the usual time. And, and they did some different things with zone coverage on the back end that limited the windows he had to, that Mahomes had to throw into. And so I really think the bigger issue was losing Eric Fisher and the cascading effect that had on the offensive line and then the puzzling decision by the Chiefs not 
to make any adjustments to the fact that they had to reshuffle their entire offensive line. And they had two weeks to do it. I mean, it's not like they didn't have time to figure out what they wanted to do. They just didn't do any of it. And Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and down, they, they bounced in Dominican Sue out from defensive tackle to, to the defensive end spot to rush against those guys on times. And they just they just overpowered their tackles and, and just ruined them. And Mahomes did everything he could, man. Mahomes was, was a warrior in that game. And then, you know, but Travis – Travis Kelsey drops a sure first down. Tyreek drops it probably would have been a touchdown. Darrell Williams dropped another touchdown. Like they just, I mean, they saved their absolute worst for the last game of the season. And, and that's what happens. You, you, you know, you play your worst game of the year in the Super Bowl and you get clowned. So. Well, I would say that was, uh, I have no idea what you said for a lot of that, but it's fine. It worked. Um, <laughs> We could uh, we can do a podcast where I where I talk football. We can we can we, we can do that at some point, not today. Uh, where you can break down the basics of football. Yeah. The title of this episode is going to be the straightest conversation we've ever had, <laughs> um, or no, the manliest conversation we've ever had. It's a good title, actually. We've gotten yeah. we got into football, and but what I thought was for what, for me, what was interesting about Super Bowl was the performances. Um, I thought that. Jasmine Sullivan could have done the national anthem on her own. We didn't need Eric Church. He was fine, but we didn't need him. Jasmine was just fine. Um, her doing the Star Spangled Banner was great. Um, made me want to pay attention more to her catalog. Not that I didn't pay attention before, but I was like, she has a very Prince vibe to her like look. And I was like, okay. And then the disaster that was the weekend halftime performance. What? I don't even fucking understand that shit. It doesn't it didn't make sense to me. He hasn't done anything recently, has he? I mean he's got that album that's album out that's got that song that's everywhere, but like he hasn't done enough to warrant a Super Bowl performance at no, all. Fuck no. And so I, I just don't like the weekend anyway. It's I don't garbage. either. It's yeah. garbage. It's garbage. I don't either. And it was like I, I didn't understand what was happening on the in the on the performance side, like yeah. as the show itself. He was flat a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um I was like, this was it's exactly what I would expect of a performance from the weekend. Yes. Garbage. I was like, I wasted 22 minutes of my life for this. And I, I did walk away during that. Part. I want to send him an invoice. I don't want <laughs> for words. my time. Yeah, you know? for sure. And it was like, I was like, so between the Chiefs losing and the weekend's performance, I this is the most forgettable football. Uh, it felt like a wasted four hours. Wasted four hours. <laughs> yeah. I could have been playing Among Us. I could have been playing video games. Man. You know, yeah. Persona Five is still sitting on my on my PlayStation, waiting for me to play it. Mm-hmm. I could have been doing that, but you got a PS5? no, not a five. Oh, what to say? No, I'm getting on. Listen, tax returns are coming. <laughs> well, yeah, they're coming for everybody though. Good luck finding one. Shit. Shh. Listen, don't tell everybody. Damn, I want one. So I want bad. one so bad. Um, so that's that. Uh, we had uh the the in in the midst of all that, we also had another. Uh, impeachment, which I thought was an interesting thing that happened because, like, I was glued to and watched every minute of it because I just wanted to see how far it was going to go. Like, you know, we talked about before uh, on a previous podcast that, you know, couldn't have been us. You know what I mean? Like, we would have never been able to do that and have, have it go as I will say smooth as it did for them. 
Only one person got shot. Right. One person on that side of it got shot. Right. That's pretty goddamn smooth. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, listening to the impeachment managers, they laid the case out to me pretty dead to rights. Um, and even to a lot of, like, Mitch McConnell was like, yeah, he did it. Yeah, he was wrong, but we can't do this here, which well, to me is a cop out. Because he's not an officer. He's not an officer, which is a cop out. Um, which is part of the reason why I wanted to watch the CPAP thing today, because I, f- I have a feeling he's going to talk about that. Um, but it gives my issue with it is it gives license for this thing, things like this to happen again. You know what I mean? I, I will say the one, the one area where I, I think that may not be true is, you know, for all these, these folks who were, you know, talking about the deep state and, and making ridiculous crap up about, you know, a ring of pedophiles that includes Bill Gates, you know, led by Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton and how they're, you know, like drinking the blood of teenagers and, and underground pizza shops and stuff like that. <clears throat> I think a lot of them have found out in the last uh, month and a half what the real deep state is in this country, and that is federal law enforcement. Um, and and so they they are you know they got the attention of of some people, uh, and they are finding out the hard way that uh, they did not have uh, the permission of the federal government to attempt to overrun the Capitol. Uh, it's been interesting though because I've been following along that one of the gentlemen uh, who was arrested in Kansas City, um, William Crestman, is the alleged leader of the Kansas City Proud Boys chapter. Um, and he is when he's one that's facing the conspiracy charge. And so the federal government wanted to wanted him uh, held without bail pre-trial. And so his attorneys um, filed a motion for his release. And in it, they basically were trying to claim that it, that he had that this was a violation of, of his due process because Trump had essentially commanded him to do it. So even if his actions were illegal, if he was doing it at the behest of a federal official, like he can't be, it's a violation of his due process to you know to hold that against him. And so I mean, he basically that like their attorneys laid out the case yeah. for for why. You know, they felt like they had the approval and the sanction of President Trump for doing what they did. And uh, a federal oh, judge right. in Kansas City actually granted uh, his release and said that he didn't buy the due process claim, but he granted his his partial release. And uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office for Kansas immediately appealed and then transferred it to the district court in D.C. And that federal judge was like, no, homie, you go stay in jail. Yeah, well, it's, happening, it's happening a lot. Um, there was the lady who got uh, who got released for so she could go to Mexico uh, on a trip with Ted Cruz. <laughs> We're really gonna We're not there yet. We're gonna get there. Um, and like to me, it's interesting to see the the people who are using. We did this at the best of the president as their reason for why they're not guilty or why they, you know, and then juxtapose that to, you know, government saying the president had nothing to do with this, which isn't what they said at all, really. At the end of the day, what they are, you know, they're saying they they don't have jurisdiction, which doesn't make sense to me because it tells the same story. Like, that means that there is a January exception. You know, that means that there is, you know, they're saying that you can do something in January, and 
not be put in, not have any consequences because you're leaving office. Right. So I look forward to an unhinged Joe Biden, you know, in either four or eight years, whenever his presidency ends, when he just goes ham from like November to January. (laughs) Go for it. Um, Just start giving out $8,000 a month stimulus checks. Man, I'm I'm ready for that. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Pay us all back for our college. Forget forgiving it. Pay us all back. (laughs) That's a game changer. I mean, if if there's no consequences now for what you do, let's get it. (laughs) Then we had the the other reason why we haven't recorded. It's been cold as a motherfucker. God damn. It's like cold as man. Terrible. I'm about to move. I'm done with this shit. Listen, I'm going somewhere else. We can all move to Florida. Yes, it is a shitty place. Sorry, Florida, it is. Um, but it's at least a warm, shitty place. Yeah. We actually, in the newsroom, for years, we play a game called Florida or Not Florida. And so you just read the headline, like, like man eats cop space during traffic stop Florida. Or, or whatever. Yeah. And we, you know, just based on the headline alone, we just ask, was this crazy enough to happen in Florida or somewhere else? So we'll just, like, I'll just, like, quote the headline and just say Florida or not Florida. <laughs> and it's always Florida. It's always it's Florida. It's always Florida, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that you went to a uh, Waffle House in Florida. Don't you dare. Which is the most reckless practice. Don't you dare talk Florida. about Waffle Florida Waffle Houses now. We don't have a whole lot. <laughs> but what we do have is good Waffle Houses in Florida. I've got a Waffle House story. It's, it's, it's not really part of this, but I, I was actually telling it this week because I, I had actually had to go to a funeral this week, but I was it, it brought up some feelings about my, my brother who passed away, and I was, and that led me to the story about a Waffle House because I, one night I had, I had been out, and I had gone to a Waffle House, as, as one might do after a night out at the bar, and I was by myself at the Waffle House. And I had oh, ordered my scary. right. I, I was like, you, you, you planned to lie. I had yeah. ordered my food. I had gone into the bathroom, and this is a couple months after my brother passed away, and I lost it. So I'm in the bathroom now, just sobbing and crying. And now I don't. I'm like I said, I'm by myself. I don't want to come back out, like as a tear-stained wretch. It's pretty normal for Waffle House, right? Though. But like, but it was but it was not normal for me. Sure. And so the the cook came to the door and had to knock on the door and ask me if I was all right. And then I came out and I'm trying to explain to him why I'm in the state that I am. Meanwhile, like hash browns are burning on the griddle and the five or six other customers are looking at me like I'm crazy. And I was like, do you know how low you have to be to get a welfare check at Waffle House at 3 30 in the morning? You have gone left when you should have went right <laughs> yeah, a couple times. probably happens a lot there, though. I'm almost yeah. certain. I mean, <laughs> If nothing else, when they get their food, which is inexplicably decent, I don't, I don't understand it. Well, but uh, it shouldn't be as good as it is. You're eating I, at a Waffle House still, and you just, you have to cry. It shouldn't be Waffle House should not be but as good as it is. I think a lot of times when you're in the Waffle House, like your inhibitions and standards are lowered. So, uh, you know, I think like if we all went to the Waffle House like right now, I think we'd be like. Ugh. I don't know. I think I'd find something that'd be like, <laughs> no, okay, I I'd still be, yeah, I, it'd yeah. still be good. I'm not gonna lie, it'd still be good. But I, I don't, but I don't think house. you would look at your plat, plat, you know, like pile of hash browns, like you were staring into heaven. No. So it would be, it would be edible. It would be decent and edible. I would still eat it and yes. enjoy it. Yes. But I wouldn't be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Right. Man. But 
you missed out on brunch this morning. Don't play with Sasha. Shut up now. Uh, it's the best one they're gonna get. It's so have a long one? No, no. no. <laughs> so we don't right. have to redo it next week. Uh, it was really fucking good. I made it with my wife. Yeah. So in that code snap, uh, Texas lost power um, to a lot of the state, and Ted Cruz decided, hey, that was a great time to go to Mexico. <laughs> and then say, you know, and I don't have a problem with him going to Mexico. I don't have a problem with that at all. I would have done it too. If I had Mexico money a week ago, I guarantee I would have been in fucking Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem with you going to Mexico. I don't even have a problem with you, you know, going to Mexico during a, a crisis and you're a senator. My issue is, is when you got caught, you blamed her daughter. <laughs> like, man up and be like, listen, it was cold as fuck and I couldn't do it, so I went to Mexico. Yeah. I can still do all the things that I need to do. do from there. Yeah. You could have gone to Mexico too. Why didn't you? Oh, the Mexico money. Well, sounds well, like a personal problem. I do have Mexico money, so let me get the fuck out of here. See, my big, my bigger issue with it was um, the Republicans like to talk about how uh, you know liberals are elite and they're out of touch and you know they just they just don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the ironic thing for me is that, like, one of the spokesmen for this movement is a man who was educated at Rockers High School, Stanford University, and Yale Law School. Josh, everything about Josh Hawley screams elitist. Mm-hmm. Like, he is not one of you. This is not a man who has reverence for the agricultural community. This is not a man who appreciates and has ever gotten his hands dirty working as an auto mechanic or or working in a, you know, in a meatpacking plant. This is a man who has spent his entire life looking down on those people, and 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 yet somehow he has he has put himself out there as you know this man of the people, and the Republicans want to act like you know they're the party who cares about blue collar jobs, you know. And to your point, it's like it's like you know they try to pretend like they're the friends of those people. Meanwhile, you know, while those people and we all know how it works in a situation like what happened in Texas, where deregulation has allowed them not to winterize their natural gas pipelines which then froze and took down a 14 freaking state power grid because Texas didn't want to spend the money uh, on the off chance that it got cold enough to freeze their natural gas pipelines. So now they're going to come out and say it's, it's the, you know, it's wind energy. It's the elitist problem. Meanwhile, it's the very people that you claim to support. It's the very people that you claim, you know, we're the ones on your side. It's them who are elite. They're the ones suffering. They're the ones dying. You know, I mean, Ted Cruz's house in Texas was not he was not the one whose pipes were freezing and who was dying under yeah. a mountain of blankets. Like yeah. it wasn't his neighborhood right. where that's going yeah. on. Yeah. And in the middle of all that, you know, he's just like, ah, yeah, he's like, ah, see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, and then in the most ham fisted Ted Cruz way possible, right? And and yet he wants us to believe that that those of us who who try to speak up or 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 those of us who supported Black Lives Matter or, you know, or things like that. We're the ones who are out of it. We're the ones who don't get it. And I'm like, I'm like, just straight get the fuck out of here. Well, he's right, dude. And then they said, you were saying that for it. <laughs> How dare yeah. you? Like, I would have been like, go to Mexico, stay, hang out. Um, I would have gone out. off on Look, whatever fucking neighbor leaked that shit, too. I wouldn't have. Like, oh. 
I, I try to invite you along to a fucking a, a nice, warm, just lovely land, and you want to just drop the shit that I sent out to you? Fuck you. Well, I, I want to know who problem- you are. I'm kicking in the back door in the middle of the night, fucking you up. That's it. Why'd you do that? You should have just kept your fucking mouth shut. I think part of Gone it... to Mexico. The part of the that. issue was... I think the reason they did it is because he tried... Like, he tried, He died. And I was just going there to drop them off and yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Politician. You know. Politician, I think... They do. But I think yeah. that was probably the, 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 the onus of them being like, no, dude, like, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You were planning on staying and hanging out and having a good time and drinking martinis and yeah. or margaritas and swimming with fucking dolphins. If that's what you wanted to do, say that. I could have respected that a lot more. Even if you yeah. lied and then got caught, it was like, you know what? Yeah, you, you got me. You got me. You know I really saying? don't give a fuck about any of you. I got the money I wanted to go, so I did it. So I did what it. What are you going to do about it? I, I could respect that. For but, sure. to, but to be like, my daughters wanted to go, and so. It could be gorgeous weather out right now, and somebody could knock on the door and be like, hey, Mike. Going to Mexico, you know, shit. Let's go. Yeah. Like, personally, I'm not going in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you know, I got like, yeah, yeah. you know, I got a, a you got babies and shit. I got family. I got a, a, a mom that I'm, you know, who's uh, 75 that I'm, you know, kind of responsible to help take care of. So for sure, yeah. So yeah. I got a, you know, I'm also not going, you know, to another country when somebody randomly knocks on the door and says, "Hey, we're going to Mexico." Oh, that sounds on. like I'm about to get killed. Depends but, on who it is. They may not get killed. They may just take a kid. I mean, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> but in theory, the idea of this going to Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You're going to wake up in a bathtub filled with ice. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You're going to be part of a donkey show is what's going to happen. I mean, you know, life yeah. experiences, you got to just check it off the bucket list. That's not on my bucket list. <laughs> I got I got a pretty long bucket list, but that ain't on one. That's not on it. I would go to one if I was, yeah, I mean. Just to say I've done it. Fuck it. Might I mean, as well. I can... Just add it to my list of fucked up things I've seen. It's, <laughs> it's not even going to make the top list. So, like, right. the top, like, the top most fucked up things. Well, so. you know, that's a podcast for another day. For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, it's, so that happened. And then I had to, before we get into our main topic, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the D'Angelo. Uh, and actually, this goes, kind of ties into what I want to talk about. Uh, the D'Angelo versus was last night. It was absolutely fucking incredible. Um, it was listed as D'Angelo and friends. And what it ended up being, like, he came on stage and he said, so you guys are my friends. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it was supposed to be, it was originally going to be just him. We thought it was just going to be him. Um, and then he's, he's, as he's playing songs, like Meth and Red came out and they did their song together and Side note, Method Man is still fine. Like, still fine. He's getting bigger. He's, He's still yeah. fine. He's got to work out for those Marvel movies now. Oh, yeah. man. It's, I was like, look at that. You know, we were supposed Lord. to go see him in concert this past year. And got pushed back, COVID, and got canceled. And, yeah, I wasn't happy about that. I Red and Meth are two of my favorite like rap duos and I've never gotten to see him in concert. Was dying to. <sighs> Fucking COVID. COVID has ruined everything. Ooh. I will say that Re- I said Method Man got is fine. Red Man looks like your crackhead uncle. He 
definitely looks like he's dabbled in he's some dabbled crack in some... and crack adjacent drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah like he's sure. still like like, and I think part of it is because he's so skinny anyway. Yeah. Like that, like it look like he he. I was like, does he? He's gonna chat with Bozeman. That's his I was yeah. like, does he have cancer? Two <laughs> months from now, when he drops, we're gonna look like assholes for this conversation. Yeah. So I was like, look, what's Casey going? caffeine canceled. Get ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No, it ain't. No, you won't. I will. I will make a public apology and be like, listen, I didn't know. I won't. I'll say, look, you saw him. It looked like he might have been dabbling in some shit. What was I supposed to think? It's, you know, a lot of options on the table. On the table. I'm speculating. I don't know Allegedly. that Redman smokes crack or has smoked crack in the last three years. I don't know for sure. What I'm saying is that it li- looking it looks, at him. looks like it. That's not an untrue statement. That's it. You're saying he could be in a Chappelle show skit and, and you wouldn't bet not? No. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Wouldn't, wouldn't think twice. Um, but like he came out and then there was this moment where, you know, because another one of D'Angelo's big songs is a song with him and Lauryn Hill, mm-hmm. the Nothing Really Matters song. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment like he starts playing the chords and they're like, we got somebody special coming for you. And D'Angelo doesn't know who's coming. Mm-hmm. Like so, he's just playing the chords. So that his like he would just randomly play chords from all of the songs, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We got someone, something special." And like I was in a group chat with a bunch of people who were watching it too, and I was like, "If Lauren, if this is Lauren Hill coming out, I'm gonna fucking lose it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna fucking lose it because that meant they told Lauren Hill it was last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so she would be ready for yeah. for it to be there now. Yeah. And like like yeah, Eddie told her it was like at three p.m. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, she still, she still didn't show yeah, up for still, it. Yeah, she's still yeah. 20 minutes late. <laughs> well, it's all, but it, it ended up being her uh-huh. who came out, and they did, uh, they did, she did the first part of the, of the song that she did with Daniel Caesar, best part, which, you know, I felt bad. It was like, because I, you know, we don't fuck with Daniel Caesar anymore as a community. Um, that's another story for another day. But I was like, I really love this song. It's so pretty. And she's singing. I was like, "This is this is what she should have had on it to begin with." Was D'Angelo, but then they moved into "Nothing Really Matters," and mm-hmm. I was like, "Dope, like, great, perfect." It was the perfect. If we can't get Lauren, her was the best second choice, and D'Angelo had no idea she was coming. Nice. Like, and you That's could cool. see in his face, like he was like, "Oh my god, I'm such I'm such a fan," and he's like, "She's like, I'm a fan of you," <laughs> like so. Like, mm-hmm. there's this this. Like genuine like musical connection, mm-hmm. and someone was like, "Y'all need to do a song together." And he was like, "Oh, I'm already ready. Let's let's get in the studio and do something." Mm-hmm. So like, there was that, and then uh, like they they go through this, all of these songs, like songs that like when you hear them, you're like, "Oh, that's dope." Like he did "Cruising," mm-hmm. he did "Brown Sugar," um, all of these 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 tracks. I'm like, "Damn, I forgot like how much of a mood and a vibe no all of these albums are." Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "All right, guys, good night." And one of the uh, the DJ Scratch was the, the DJ. Was like, "Wait, people in here saying you ain't do the song," and like you could tell part of him yeah, didn't really yeah. want to do it, but like you knew he was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. But you could tell, like he kind of you could see him kind of visibly go, "I," yeah. you know. So like they play the chorus and he starts singing the song, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't take that coat off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the coat was on, but it. it's 2021. Just rip it off, rip it off, and just let it. Let, this is yep. what you listen. You might have got that in 2020, 
or in twenty in two thousand. Yeah. But in twenty twenty one, you getting this body. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You just yeah. have to like this body. I started eating carbs again. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> no, it's fucking two decades later. I ain't finna look like that no more. Yeah. But right you know, it's. We can't all be J Lo. She did. She did. She's not good for anything but being pretty, but she, she did. It's all I need. I mean, I'm not asking for a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, D'Angelo. D'Angelo, but you know so what? Much, so, the voice yeah. was, the, the, he still sounded good. He didn't mm-hmm. hit some of the notes. Mm-hmm. But I think part of that is, like, first of all, he lit a cigarette. It was done at the Apollo, mm-hmm. on the Apollo stage. On stage, while singing, lit a fucking cigarette. It was smoking the cigarette while mm-hmm. he was singing the song. I said, that's a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a smoke on you on Instagram. Goddamn right. But ain't nobody gonna say shit to me. You know, saying you can't check me. Mm -hmm. My name is fucking D'Angelo. You know, I'm gonna sing these songs and smoke this cigarette on the stage in the middle of a (laughs) in the middle of a Panda Express. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, but it was still, and it made me think about. Why the reason we're here today? Um, we're gonna do that after this break, right now. And we're back. Okay. So we just talked about D'Angelo and the um, you know the, the show and what it, what it made me think about is masculinity and how we view masculinity because. One of the things he said, the reason, one of the reasons that he got out of kind of the limelight was after the Untitled video came out, he felt like it was less about the music for him and more about like his body and mm-hmm. being used as a sexual object, which I thought like women go through that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Uh, so suck it up. But at the same time, I also get it. You know, mm-hmm. if you are an artist and you want to be known for your art, mm-hmm. if yeah. you are you know, coming out and everywhere, like, you can't, you have to stop shows because women are jumping on stage and ripping off, ripping on your clothes, and, yeah. you know, they're not, you're not getting that same the love for the art as they are for, like, you as the sex symbol. For sure, yeah. Especially if that's not what you, you know, that's not what you wanted. You it's wanted hard to... enough for me. Like, <laughs> just being used as a sex object on a regular, it's tough. I can't imagine traveling the world and being on stages and just getting part of a concert. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting. It I really mean, is. I mean, here's the thing, though. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had that fantasy, uh, and I, I did not run away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it, you, there were times in my life I was desperate for just, <laughs> please touch me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone. <Yeah. laughs> Brandon, it's fine if you do it, too. I just don't even care. Just not. I'll be asleep. My dog will mess up next to me, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, oh no, it's just my dog." <laughs> but it's it's just this notion of of masculinity, and I've wanted to do this as a series for a while. Um, hence why I've had the two manliest men I know sitting next, you know, sitting across, and talk about what does masculinity mean? Because um, you know we're getting into this 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 age and the space where. You know, we talk about gender, the difference between gender and sex, and, you know, genders in the brain and sex is in the body, and, you know, what is a man's man, and, and like, there was something, I don't can't even believe that I'm talking about Candace Owens in yeah. any kind of context, 
on this show, but you know, there was a picture of Harry Styles uh, in a dress, and she was like, "I can't wait till we get till you know we get back to an age where men can be men." And you know, I was like, "What? What, is, what does that even mean?" You know, like I get it in the context of like you know, boys wear blue and girls wear pink, but like to me, the most manly thing that you can be is comfortable in your own fucking skin. See what I, I I think when people talk about that they're they, they're talking about a mythology really like they're talking about like John Wayne right like they're talking about you know guys who smoke and drink and you know take women and you know just take what they want you know and, and don't ask questions and um I am but, a manly Spaniard. fantastic All right. <laughs> but but I, but it, it's also fun I mean people forget like like I mean you're you're talking about a you know, most people didn't actually know John Wayne and what he was like in real life. Like you're, sure. yeah. you're talking about a freaking movie character. You're not talking about real life. So I, I think part of it, the whole idea of, of masculinity is is like a bullshit like construct that you know that um, was created by by Hollywood. I mean, it, it, which is incredibly ironic in its own sense because now they rail against like you know the media and, and the elites and Hollywood and stuff like that. But yet at the same time, harken back to like this phony, you know, like Western nostalgia for what, you know, when men were really men type thing. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I always kind of picture this as more of a societal change that takes place. So, you know, for, for one culture, the idea of a man is one very specific thing. You know, you can look at time periods where men wore heels or they would wear attire that looks very dress-like. Um, some cultures, men wear long hair with braids where, you know, now you've got oh, buzz cut and oh, manly man, you got the big beard. It just, it kind of shifts as time goes on and where you are in the world. Um, so I don't even know if we can pin down what, what masculinity is. We, we know what America views as masculine traits and things like that, but I don't know what they think on the other side of the world. It could look completely different, you know? Well, I, I think that's I think that's a good point. I think we, you know, when you're looking at because a lot of things that women wear now were worn by men. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was like you said, heels, uh, the, the wigs. You know, saying you're looking at like oh, wigs is a good one. Wigs yeah. is a yeah. good one. Yeah. Like you know, that was those were you were that was a a level of status. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and I think somewhere you know, like you said, that John Wayne. Uh, aesthetic kind of became what men are, mm-hmm. um, and when we when we see people who don't adhere to those, you know, what what this man thing is, you know, like I go get my nails done, you know, what I'm saying I love having my nails done, uh, and I went to I remember the first one of the first couple times I went, like. It was like now they're used to it. They're just like fucking it's fine, mm-hmm. you know. They but the first couple times I went, it was like, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, and it was like, and I felt uncomfortable to the point where like I was like asking you know my female friends if they want to go with me mm-hmm. so that I didn't feel awkward being in what was supposed to be this women's space, you know, getting my nails done, but it's what I want to do. It's something that makes me happy, and to me, I feel like. If you are living in your truth, regardless of what that is, you know what I mean? Like as a, you know, 
be whatever your sex is. I won't say gender because gender is different. You know, to me, a man is a person who, you know, is lives who they are, just the same way as a woman is a person who lives who she is. And, you know, there's this idea of like a man is a provider and, and he's this and he's that. And, you know, biblically, the man is the head of the household. And, you know, it always uh, comes back to that. It's always a fucking head. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. You know, but it's... Not my jam. Just so you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I was... Uh, started vacation Bible school growing up, but then um, I got, which ironically I'm grateful for now, but only because now when people try to argue with me about it, like I come from a place of, oh, yeah. I, have, I have a deep reservoir of knowledge about it. So I'm, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I can quote scripture too. Oh yeah. I just don't twist it quite the same way, you know, so now for I can sure. throw it yeah. back at people, but yeah. it was ironic because, you know, once I got exposed to other religions and other ways of thinking and you know then like the house of cards that that was my childhood you know kind of crumbled in terms of you know what i'd been taught at you know, it, as a you know kid grew up in a baptist church and then oh, and, and I, I well yeah but yeah, i don't think learned. here's the thing and this this is true about every religion that exists like they don't like it when you start really asking deep philosophical oh, yeah, nitpicky no no questions yeah, yeah. that they don't have the answer to. And then they, sure. then they just get defensive. And like when I went through my kind of, I, I kind of refer to it as my awakening. Cause you know, you, you are a lot of times you can't control how you're raised. You know, like, yeah. like if I wanted to have anything other than peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a Sunday, mm-hmm. like I had to go to church with my mom. Otherwise mm-hmm. she was just like, Nope, you just get something in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So if I yeah. wanted to go like Mr. Good sense or, or go out to eat with her and her, you know, like friends after I had mm-hmm. to go to church. Yeah. So, so, you know, I didn't have a choice in some of that stuff growing up. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of people. Once I got older and, and had a little more autonomy, though, um, you know, like I said, I, I would I questioned, I challenged things. For me, it was always the argument I'd always get into with my friends was about uh, Mahatma Gandhi. You know, and mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be like, look, I mean, the Bible says I am the way, the truth and the life. There is no way into the father but by me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but then you got Gandhi who's over here like doing Jesus-like works, like yep. freeing the people. Yep. Like his whole life is dedicated to like making life better for the second most populous mm-hmm. country in the world. Mm-hmm. I was like, but yeah, I don't, I've never read anywhere that that brother said, you know, I believe in Jesus. I was mm-hmm. like, so is Mahatma Gandhi in hell? And they're like, well, we we don't know. And I'm like, no, no, because you already told me like yep. the New Testament says, I'm the way, the truth, the light. Yep. There is no way under the father but my me. So I was yep. like, which is it? Is your whole religion full of crap? So far off topic, but yeah, yeah. Know, is, this, is your whole religion full of crap, or yeah, is Muhammad yeah. Gandhi in hell? Because I got to be honest, y'all. If Gandhi's in hell, I don't belong in heaven. So just no let yeah. me go hang out with him, bro. So I went to college ministry. I was an assembly of God pastor for years, um, and that was that was definitely a topic that came up. And the professors were like, "No, they're in hell. That's that's it." pretty straightforward right this is it this is not they weren't so you're done oh that sounds cold-blooded as shit but i can go murder people every fucking day and then on my deathbed ask forgiveness do that whole thing right it's all good cool that sounds like a big fucking loophole (laughs) (laughs) i could be a terrible person but yeah it's a massive one and so yeah that was the other thing and i think what people knew the subtext of that was if you tell me Gandhi's in hell, uh-huh. then I'm dipping out. 
And no if doubt. you tell me he's not in hell, then your whole book means nothing. Yeah. It's just a, a it's just a, a storybook now. So again, yeah. I'm dipping out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of comes that cup that I know that it's a little bit off topic, but at the same time, a lot of us wasn't Jesus a man who turned into wine. So I mean, you know, he turned water into wine, no son. Doubt. Like you want to talk about a man who provided for his family? He took one loaf of bread and fed an army. You know, two <laughs> fish. He took two fishes and five loaves of bread. Yeah, that's <laughs> a provider. That's a provider. That's a provider. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think that we get wrapped up into what religion says a, a man is you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah yeah um and then there those those gen what those gender roles mm-hmm. are um you know and i hate using that term gender because again i you know that's that's just put it put let me put this down this way there are two sexes and there are a million different genders mm-hmm. because sex is the sex is in the body the gender's in the brain Let's just let, let that be what that is. That is, I, you don't have to, you can Google it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's right there. We don't have to have this discussion any longer. So when people say, oh my God, we're trying to make up genders, it's the brain. Your brain dictates how you feel, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think there's this, this. Well, so, socially, the idea of gender roles is, you know, is a little bit more constraining, obviously. Yeah, right. For sure. For sure. I know uh, when I worked at the sheriff's department, I was going through the process to get on. I had to do like my psyche valve and all that. And then had to like sit down with the doctor to get review everything. And there were two really big spikes on what I had. And one of them was feminine traits. And I was like, eh, I don't. I don't know. I think the test might be off. And he's like, no, no. Like, you still get that reaction with this. And he's like, do you like things like art, music, things like that? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, do we consider those feminine traits? And I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. But whatever. I don't care. But yeah, I mean, empathy, I think, is traditionally considered a feminine yeah, trait. Yeah. Like, if, if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and and empathize with what they're going through even though you may never have experienced yourself i think that's widely considered a feminine trait for sure yeah, yeah. when when you know but i for me to be a man i have to be uncultured swine yeah, right. just garbage across the board yeah i mean and, it, and that's really what i hate to say it that way that's what it comes down to it, it is yeah. you have to be you have to have no emotion no feeling whatsoever because we've all yeah. as men we've all been told man you know, up. You better man up, or still be crying like a sissy. Throw some balls. I I still think there, are, I still think there are times that's useful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think like, so I've started working out with my like I've started working at home more during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've been watching. There's a guy I, I don't need to plug it all, but there's there's a guy who has a series of, of workout videos that I discovered on YouTube, and and I I it's it's worked for me. I've been able mm-hmm. to engage with it. I've been able to stick with it for about six months now. Um, and I, it, it's, and so my, my son wanted to start doing it some too. And a lot of times it's like 20 minute hit workouts or sometimes it's like 30 minute, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, interval type, mm-hmm. type circuit training with, with some weights here and there. And there are times like we'll get into it with my son and, you know, we'll be doing some cardio or something like that. And he's breathing heavy and, you know, he just wants to quit and he wants me to give him permission to, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like, I'm like. Suck it up, boy. <laughs> you know? yeah, I'm yeah. Like, well, I think I'm like fight through this. Like, for you know, sure. Yeah. I think that's I think that's different than when a 
child is showing emotion. Yeah. Right, well, sure. but, the, you know, the same thing, like my, you know, my friend who died, there was a couple days I, I've been working from home. My son's mm-hmm. going to school from home. And, and, you know, there was the day that I found out that, that one of my close friends had died here recently. Um, I was, I, I mean, I was weeping through the whole day. Mm-hmm. And, and when he would come downstairs and, and ask, I didn't like try to wipe away my tears. Good. Don't look at me. You know, I was, yeah. he's, he's like, he's like, are you, are you okay? And like the first time he caught me, I had gone upstairs to get a refill of coffee and I was going downstairs and he was coming down the hall and I'm just sobbing. We, me and my, another friend had heard that he was dead, but we had not heard from his fiance had confirmed. Mm-hmm. So we weren't, I didn't, we weren't telling people like I hadn't started calling past coworkers, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like we were still waiting to hear for sure before we mm-hmm. alerted him. So I didn't want to tell my son that this man who we've had over to my house multiple mm-hmm. times that he considers an uncle was dead and then find out I was wrong. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so, I, so I'm sitting there crying and I, I didn't explain it to him then. But once we found out, I called him down and I'm still crying as I'm telling him mm-hmm. it. But I don't think that that was weak or unmanly of me. I, I mean, no, I no. was yeah. it hurt. My one of my good friends died at 37 of a heart attack. Yeah. I was in pain. Yeah. No, and it's but we teach because I, I know that I went through this a lot. You know what I mean? Because I am a very emotional my personality is very emotional. You know what, what I mean? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and so, like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Yeah. And I constantly were told, you know, man up, suck it up, stop being a pussy. You know what I mean? Like, so we're taught, we teach men to stuff their emotions down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We teach them that, that, that having an emotional response to something is it's a feminine trait. You know, that means you're being a sissy or you're being a punk or you're being, you know, all of these, you know, these negative things. And then we wonder why adult men don't know how to process emotions. You know what I mean? Like we, you, 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 you wonder why it's, you know, there, there, there's, well, why do, you know, why, why do men act the way they act? Well, because you've taught them for so long not to treat, you know, not to, not that any show of emotion is, is wrong or is harmful or is bad. There's a lot of flaws in the system on how we approach it. On the flip side, there are also definitely some upsides. There's a time and a place for it. Like, my kid, she's six. I do take that very hard approach. Like, look, you you gotta suck it up at some yeah. point. Oh, somebody's being mean to, mean to me. Fuck that bitch. You don't need her in your life. Go find somebody else to hang out with. But sitting in here being upset about it isn't doing anything for you. Just right. Keep it moving. I think I've got a thirteen. My my other son will be seven mm-hmm. uh, next month, and I think we are getting a little bit smarter about um, how we teach emotional intelligence to mm-hmm. our kids. You know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think part of that's because um, you know our generation is also smarter about it than. You know, definitely. Then maybe, the, especially then, like the baby boomer generation, yeah. right? Um, you know, we're, you know, and so I, I think, I think it's one of those things. I, I do think it's progressing. Um, one of my, one of my, my oldest son is is about the sweetest kid alive. Um, yeah. You know, but he 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 does not function well if he does not get enough time with his mom. He does not function well um, in high, you know, in high stress situations and yeah. stuff like that. He, you know, he just, you know. Like if he's struggling with math or something, he just kind of shuts down and starts crying. And so like, that's why I sometimes use like an opportunity, like when we're working out to try to teach him 
Like, because there are times in life, but this is for boys and girls, you're going to have to be able to fight through adversity. You're going to have to summon the fortitude to push through. Like, like for him, like, like, you know, like for you're going to have a friend who dies unexpectedly at 37 and you will still have to function with your wife and your kids one day. Like, you, you know, like if it's your wife or kids, fine, shut it down for three weeks and, and, and deal with what you need to deal with. But if it, you know, you don't always have that option. I, I used to work with a girl who, she had a cat who died. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to know whether she got three days of bereavement because her cat died. And it and it was like. I'm going to not have any fucking employee ask me <laughs> if they can have three days of bereavement really? for their fucking cat. Right, like I'm, but I'm, I'm like, listen, listen, it's a cat. Like, I get it. That, yeah. that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything to you. That yeah. doesn't mean that you're not upset, but. I'm going to need you to come, go ahead and come on to work. Like, no doubt, yeah. <laughs> I, I was upset when I had to put my dog down. I was very upset about it. But I still got shit to do. Like, I still had to go. We were moving at the same time. Like, I still got to go get shit together. I got to go to the store, get some new shit for the new place. I got things to do. This is it was, this was not the ideal timing. I got to keep it moving. Fed. Right. The, yeah. other, the other part of that quote is, like, when my, when my grandfather died, um... I didn't get any bereavement. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was I took two days, mm-hmm. and because I was told that I would have two days, three mm-hmm. days of bereavement, and then they were like, "Oh no, no, those you don't get bereavement unless I was going to the funeral, which in the middle of a fucking panorama, I'm not yeah. going. Yeah, because um, it's in DC. Mm-hmm. They're like, you don't get bereavement, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. like that's still considered, you know. Like, if it was my uncle or, you know, a cousin, maybe I could see you being like, eh. But, like, a grandparent is still in that, like, direct line of success. success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, and that was one of those things where you had to had to suck it up. And it had to figure. And so, yes, I think there is something to be said for, you know, you can't always be in, in, in this emotional, you know, an emotional wreck because shit happens. Yeah. But we have to teach, and I think you, you're right, we're getting better at teaching when it's okay to be an emotional wreck and let these things and the and feel things also. Like, you have to be able to feel things. I, Other than anger. Like, yeah. that was anger, always okay. Right. Happiness and, like, pure rage. Yeah. Cool. Those are your emotions. Yeah. Use one or the other and, you know, make it work. I, I think that some of this goes much deeper than just masculine versus feminine. I think some of this is speaks more to the larger, like, American construct um, of, like, the rugged individual. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, we like to act like we're the only country on the planet that has, like, a, a nonstop work ethic and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, first of all, that's absolute bullshit. It um, is, for sure. But second of all, um, you know, I, I think this idea that, you know, like, you know, we, we work harder, you know, we, you can play after work and like, you know, that we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, you know, and nothing For can sure. keep us down. Like a lot of that is just, I hate that term. So much. Yeah. And again, like there, there are times that, that I think you have to be able, like, I think it's For a sure. valuable yeah. skill. Like there are times that you have to be self-sufficient. Like mm-hmm. you can't like, you know, there are times that, that you can't always expect other people to do things for you. Yeah. There are times that you need to be able to say, you know what? 
this is something I need to be able to, I need to do on my own and, and feel that sense of accomplishment. But, but what we're bad at, and again, I think it's because it doesn't fit with the traditional idea of masculinity is saying, listen, I, this is what I can't do on my own. Mike, can you help me? Mm -hmm. And then that's considered a sign of weakness. If I, if I reach my hand out to you and say, listen, like I sat up, I can't quite stand up. (laughs) You know, I still got the jelly leg. Can you help me up? And and then I think at that point they're like, "Mm, look at that bitch. Uh, Well, and I think like like part of that is, and especially if we're talking about like in the black community, um, because masculine, like these roles are those roles are ingrained and set in stone. Like it is, if to although it's interesting talking because I just talked to my my had a family call yesterday. My mom uh, just got had surgery done and things went a little hinky but it's fine now good. um right right but we're all on the phone and like you know i'm talking and usually i try because i'm talking to mom and i know that she has these she already has her issues with my flamboyant nature to begin with mm-hmm. so i try to like not show my nails or not because do i just don't want to have the conversation mm-hmm. um but like i flashed it and my cousin was like let me see your nails mm-hmm. and i like so i was like i showed them to him and he was like those are dope and he said his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, cool. Like, so we're getting better, mm-hmm. um, but it's there's still this idea. Like, I had over not this past Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before. You know, I have a nephew at the time; he was four years old, and he likes to be up under mom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's nobody has a problem. JD will come and talk talk to you and all of that stuff, and it's no big deal. But when he wants to be up under mom, that's where he's going to be at. Mm-hmm. And I had a cousin that came in and he, you know, was pulling on him and, you know, trying to get, and I was like, leave him alone. Yeah. You know, leave him alone. I just, he raised him to be no punk. You know, and I'm like, he's four. Let him be four. My, my 13-year-old son still, um, to this day, like, there are a lot of nights where he will lay in either his bed or our bed with, with his mom. And they will like watch videos at the end of the night. And when I, when he was like, like when he was like eight, my impulse was to like shame him, you know, be, be like, you, cause he used to, he would still fall asleep with his mom at that mm-hmm. time. And I'd yeah. have to pick him up and carry him to his bed. And my impulse was to, to shame him be like, be like, boy, you ain't now sleep in your own bed. You know, and like, I'm tired of having to pick you up. And I had to actively like fight that mm-hmm. and, and be like, be like, no, nah, man. Let him be eight. Yeah. Let him like there is nothing wrong with the boy loving his mom. Like you For stop. Sure. And, and I but I had to stop and think, where is this even coming from? Like why 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 am I threatened by my eight year old yeah. wanting to fall asleep next to his mother? And and it was because it seemed like a sissy thing to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I kind of have a similar thing, which is weird because I have a daughter. So I do have those moments where I'm like, look, I, I think this shit's toughened up. Because long term, you you have this foundational approach to life, and build off of that. Right. I would much rather my kid be have that thicker skin and be able to just navigate life without the added pressures of the emotional roller coasters that come. Still, yeah, you're gonna have emotions, and you need to know how to use those. But 
I need you, your snap reaction to not be to cry and, you know, drop to the floor every time something goes sideways. Suck it up and say, fuck whoever did that or fuck whatever the situation is and keep it moving. But I think so the, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a shit parent. That's no, the whole thing. I but. think the other part of that is because what happens is, and what happened with me, because I have a similar story to what you have, but I was three. You know what I mean? Like my dad, I also, I was a bit of an asshole at the time. Um, like my dad, I grew up, my father was military, and so he would just go TBY and be gone for 90 days, you know, 180 days, yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I got used to sleeping in the bed with mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, who is this grown ass man who's going to try to take my spot? Right. So I wasn't letting him sleep in the bed. He can get out. Yeah. And so what he would do is he put me in the room and locked the door. Oh. Yeah. You know, which is a. As a child, you know, I imagine that was traumatic. As a very traumatic experience, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I want my mom, right. mm-hmm. and but I don't know this man. That's like that's my father, but I don't know him because we don't have. Because I think the year I was born, he went on remote, which is a year. Mm-hmm. So from like two to three, mm-hmm. he was gone. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know who this grown this grown ass mm-hmm. man is in here. You know, it's been me and Ma rocking. This whole time, mm-hmm. and for him to come back and then have that, yeah, it was a traumatic experience, which makes me think a lot of things. Oh God, I'm yeah. a good time in therapy tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but um, so my oldest uh, is my stepson, so he was he was almost four when I when, when I got married to his mother, and it was hard for me. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do because. He he was he was and still is a bit of a quote mama's boy, mm-hmm. um, you know and 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 I remember my wife and I used to fight because I would I would tease him, mm-hmm. and and she would just get very angry like how dare you yeah. like tease my precious perfect baby child, mm-hmm. and I finally like explained to her I was I was like listen I was like like you don't understand this I was like but. And I, I was like, and I'm not doing this just to be mean spirited. And if, if we're being honest, there were probably sometimes I was. But I said, I don't do this as a rule just to be mean spirited. But I was like, listen, he's going to be a middle school boy one day. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been a middle school boy, honey? She's like, no. I was like, but you remember what middle school was like as a girl, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, and I hated it. And I was like, right. I was like, he is going to have to be able to give and take with his friends. He is yeah. going to have to be able to tease them. But more importantly, he is going to have to be able to be teased yeah. without losing his mind yeah. every single time. Mm-hmm. I said, because once he, you know, just the way men, you know, like you said, we, we shove stuff down. We tend to use humor to, you know, to deal with some of our emotions and situations. Mm-hmm. I was like, but if there's a kid who overreacts, that kid gets needled constantly. And I no told, doubt. right. And yeah. I told my, I told my mom, I, I told my wife, I, I said, listen, said, you don't get it now. And I remember one Christmas, like he was like six. We'd been married a couple years this time. And her, my, her brother and her dad went, you know, I was teasing Harrison a little bit. And then they went in on him too. And like the other three grown men, were, she lost it. She had to go like, she's mm-hmm. like crying jag, had to go lay down another room. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, I had that conversation with her again. Like, honey, he had, if, if he processes men teasing him the way you processed it today it will be relentless yeah like they will never stop i was like he has got to but again i think that's a type of emotional intelligence that Mm -hmm. you have got to be able to 
you know, compartmentalize, not take that stuff personally mm-hmm. yeah. and just understand like, you know, me ribbing somebody is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to be able to, to not overreact and get angry about mm-hmm. that. And, and now he's fine. Like he does it. And she's beginning to see now that he's 13, yeah. like, 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 you know, she doesn't give me a hard time anywhere, you know, because she's, she's like, Oh yeah. She's, uh, that's, she's, that's the thing. You got to prepare them for life. That's right. the, the role of the parent. Like, right. And unfortunately, we live in a shitty world, and that comes with, yeah, I got I to gotta prep you for some shitty stuff. Like right, I said, like you, yeah, we, we've had the race conversation with, nobody wants to have that talk with their kid, but unfortunately, we live in a shitty world. You got to prep them for it. You, look, you, can't, you can't react the way that you want to react in all these situations. Sometimes you have to, you got to just make it work. Same thing with this, yeah. Right. It, it's it's funny because uh, a lot of times, so over the summer, because you know, with the pandemic, we couldn't go anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing we could do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, I just let him stay up late, and we'd watch like Netflix, and we just mm-hmm. you know watch shows. Sometimes they were not completely appropriate for a, a twelve year old. Um, you know, but yeah, I'm with but, that. Yeah, <laughs> but we would, you know, we would pause it and stuff like that. When when big things happen, like. We would like one of the shows we watched over the summer was Shit's Creek. I don't know if everybody's yeah, familiar with yeah. Shit's Creek, but when they had the coming out episode, um, where oh that episode, where, that episode made me right know. where Noah Reed's character uh, Patrick, like you know, he kind of gets prematurely outed to his parents and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then and I would I would pause it and we would have I would have the conversation with Harrison who's thirteen mm-hmm. and I don't even think he knows what he is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, he, you know, he, all he shows interest in right now is Fortnite. So, <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, and plus he's been out of school for a while, so he hasn't had a chance to notice yeah. boys or girls or anything, but, but I would pause it and I would, you know, talk to him about how, you know, like the importance of coming out and how, you know, you know, stuff like that and about how it's a personal thing. But we'll also tell him like, like when they had one of the, epi- uh, they were talking in one of the episodes or maybe it was another show that we were watching about, um, you know, people whose parents didn't accept them coming out and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we make sure to communicate with, with him. And, and again, this is one of the situations where my wife was, I, I've been doing this his whole life. And she's like, he's eight. He doesn't understand this. And I was like, you're right. I was like, but one day he will understand it. And he will understand that I've been talking to him about mm-hmm. this yeah. his entire life. Yeah. And then when the rubber meets the road and he's mm-hmm. 16 and it comes up, it won't be the first time he's heard me talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. And so he hopefully fingers crossed, will be comfortable coming to me because we tell him all the time, like if you have a friend who, especially a friend who is like considering suicide and says, you know, I can't talk to my parents about X, Y, Z. I was, I was like, I was like, that's the one time. That's the one time. It's okay. You do not wait in that situation. If they say they're considering harming themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. I said in that situation, you come tell me and mom and we will come, yeah. we will come try to figure this out. I was yeah. like, but I was like, that's the one and only time where, you know, like I said, but other than that, like you let them do their own. And, and I will talk about experience I've had with, um, you know, with, with people I know in my life who were gay. I mean, there are people that I met in college and, and I knew long before they, you know, came out to me, you know, but I, I didn't, I didn't push them on. I didn't pressure them. I, I, it, it was, you know, it ended up being a little awkward when they, when they finally told me and I was like, yeah, I've known him for like eight years, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, think that, but, but I, I walked in at a party while you were fucking Joseph. I, I saw it. I, saw it. <laughs> I knew what was going on. No, I think, but I think when you add 
I think that adds a different element to it as well. When you when you put the sexuality on top of the the, the gender constructs or or the social construct of what masculinity and femininity is, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's because how many times I've had well, who's the girl? Uh, oh, none of us God. are girls. Yeah, right? I we had somebody say that at the sheriff's department. One of the one of the deputies was getting married, and they're like, well, "Who's going to be the wife?" Yeah, that's not how that works. And they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. This is not as complex as you're trying to make it. You have a man marrying a man. They're both men. Why the fuck do you even care? Just congratulations. I hope you have a great time. You don't give a shit when anybody else gets married. All of a sudden, you're fascinated by this and want to wrap your head around it. Shut the fuck up and let them do what they're doing. Not your, not your thing. Listen. Or maybe it is their thing. And they're trying to figure out how they can get in. That does happen a lot. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I know, I know some, some husband and wives where if you ask them just based on their personality, who was the husband and who was the wife, those genders would be not the same. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. The sex does not line up. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that it's 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 when you as a as a as a gay child, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like, I, who's always been a little bit on the more of the feminine side, mm-hmm. you know, definitely much more emotional. I was not did not have the ability, you know, to to suck it up uh-huh. because if I you, I felt everything so intensely. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and 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 I was I was a mama's boy. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up up under my mom most of the time, um, so and I didn't have that person, because my dad wasn't, my dad didn't really talk. Like, he didn't, he had to be in a football game. He didn't be bothered. You know what I mean? So, when I hit the middle school age and the age of the teasing, I was that kid. Right. That everything was the end of the fucking world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. You were different, and, and they got the reaction they wanted out of you. Yeah, and yeah. so it was, And but, you know, what I what was great about it is I had that personality that I was able to find, to, to find human shields, you know what I mean? So that they were like, oh, you're not going to fuck with my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, sure. you know, so like I had a level of, you know, there was, I was kind of king of the outcast because I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody was cool with me on some, you know, on some level, but they knew that if they wanted to get a reaction, mm-hmm. it was easy to get a reaction out of me. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, yeah. I saw the flip side of that one time. Uh, I was working at a group home and it was in the court system. It was a bunch of kids who were just like gang or gang adjacent. You know, all of them thought they were the hardest person in the room. We go to some like Goodwill or something. They have to do community service. So they're in there cleaning up and stuff. And one of the kids just dives behind a rack of clothes. And I'm like, get up. What are you doing? And they're like, no, no. And then they point and other kids start dropping down. Like, what the fuck is going on? All right, now I'm thinking somebody's about to start shooting through a window. Right. I'm like, no, the kid, he's going to the fuck out of us. Turns out there's a gay kid in their school that they decided they wanted to try to bully. Uh, several people tried. Apparently, this is a bad motherfucker who just beat the brakes off of people left and right. <laughs> and they realized, oh, yeah, this isn't the one. These kids never saw this look on them fucking terrified. Did said if he comes in the store, we need to go out the back. I don't know what the fuck he was going to do to him, but it was not good. <laughs> he, was be, yeah. 
he was gonna be the straight off of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like but, Daredevil just coming in the room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think it was like, like it was like Omar. Just <laughs> fuck. All right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's it's I, but it, part of it was not only was I, you know, the gay kid, but like I was the black kid in like a very white school. So it was like Oh, that sounds like hell. That's yeah. the next uh, Jordan Peele movie. Like, that's it. That's <laughs> but like, cool. it was so. And don't get me wrong. Like, I had I had a bunch of friends, but like, it was they. Everybody knew you want to get you want to get the emotional reaction. Go after him. Go after Jason. Yeah. You know, he's going to be the one that's going to you know. So I would be the one fighting on the bus. You know what I mean? Because I was. It, what it taught me as an adult is how to have a mouth. You know what I mean? It taught me the wit. Yeah. You know, because now, oh, you can say what the fuck you want because I got something to say back. Mm-hmm. But it also taught me, you know, to, it taught me how to, like, the, on the negative side, it taught me to fight when I didn't need to fight. Sometimes yeah, yeah. fights aren't there, but I'm like, oh, you said this thing and it pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's time, to, you know, now, now it's time to go. And like I did deal with it. Sometimes I have to deal with it with like my job and all that, where somebody will say something and it'll be completely innocuous, but it'll trigger something in my brain. Yep. Oh, and we going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, but because I've never pro- learned how to really truly process mm-hmm. the, those the, those emotions, it's just always been you're gonna get what you're gonna get, and I don't mm-hmm. care how you feel about it. Yeah. And so now, kind of going into therapy, dealing with that shit, blah 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 blah. Um, I think that really from, you know, to kind of wrap everything up in a bow, uh, there really isn't a way to wrap it up. No, I mean, I I think when we talk about the traditional, you know, like we talk about this archaic idea of masculinity, it really, it's, it's a defense mechanism. Um, you know, you know, a way to deflect, you know, um, things that, you know, we are uncomfortable with or that we don't want to deal with, you know, and that could be emotions. But now when you talk about now, it's being embraced as a way to deflect things that we're uncomfortable with in in a social setting, like, like a man in a dress or or something like that. But I still think the root of it is, is in a way just a defense mechanism. It's like, like you said, it's a way to throw up a wall and not process like, a changing world. Yeah, why does this make me feel this way? Right. Yeah. You so know? instead, you just, you just say, "Oh, well, I just, I just wish we could go back to a time when, when men are men." And, it, and it's the same thing as the whole like "Make America Great Again" thing. And oh, you'd be Christ. like, you'd be like, be like, <laughs> when? Yeah. When? When was America? When was this greatness you speak of? You know. And and then they'll be like, you know. And no matter what time you say, it's like it's like okay, so you know. When, when women were in the home and, and, and you know, it work, couldn't work and we still had segregated bath, like, that's that that was greatness in America to you. Okay. Interesting. I mean, if I was on that side of the fence, it would be pretty fucking great. I'd reap all the benefits. Yeah, I mean, no, it's making America great for white folks. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, or white like, men. Right, but, yeah. I, but I'm saying it, it's it's a completely artificial bullshit construct oh, yeah, that... Sure. that that never made sense and still doesn't make sense yeah. unless you look at it from the context of what are they trying to protect themselves? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that kind of leads us. Uh, I, I want to do a part to this conversation yeah. uh, and get into cancel culture because to me, cancel culture is the antith- antithesis of this debate. 
you know, when you see someone, because to me, I feel like this, the, what we consider to be gender norms or social, the social construct, when that is challenged and someone says something, you know, then the, uh, you know, then there's, there's a side to want to, this need to want to like have a knee jerk reaction and be like, no, you can't say that. But at the same time, like, I think that sometimes it goes a little bit too far in cancel culture, but sometimes it's warranted. You know what I mean? It absolutely is. I, I think, and I think the piece that even those of us who feel like we're empathetic and even those of us who feel like, you know, we, we're willing to embrace the diversity of viewpoints, right? Like we're willing to see it from other people's sides. I, there's a rigidity there to certain, to certain, you know, thinking and things like that, that we're just like, nope, can't do it. And we, and we, mm-hmm. we shut down too in the other way. And I, I think it's never going to get better either way, unless we are willing to actually talk through things. Cause I think a lot of times it's just complete ignorance. Like it's, yeah, it's sure. a lack of exposure and, a, and, and an ignorance to like other people's lives. Like, like, you know, and you know, you guys have been in a room where you were the only minority person yeah. in the room, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and so every, every black person, every gay person, you know, every, how uncomfortable is this moment for you right no, now? It's not, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. That's the thing. It's, it's not. And the reason I say this is because for, for almost, no, I, like, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't worry about it. And you don't understand why, but everybody who, who is a minority has been in a room where they were the only uh, minority in that room. Yep. And so they understand that. The, the vast majority of white people have never been in a room where they were the only white face or have never been in a room where they were the only straight person. And, and, and so when you've never been in that uncomfortable situation, like you, you don't understand it. And, you know, and, and it, you know, for, for those of us who have been, for those of us who have gone out for our friend's birthday and said, all right, you know what? I'll get on the dance floor with the sweaty shirtless Mexicans at Missy B's. Sure. Like, was it the most comfortable thing for me to make that decision to like go out there and start dancing? No, no, it was not Jason. <laughs> and, and we had another friend who was there. I wasn't the only white straight male in, in there that day, but of the two of us, one of us hung out at the pool tables and the other one of us was like, yeah. Yeah. And that was the one that got hit off. Right. And I was, I was like, I'm not, I, they probably won't eat me. I'll, they'll probably just make fun of my dancing because, you know, I'll just be out there doing the white man over. Yeah, yeah. But no, but that, but, but I learned at an early age. Like I used to be scared of heights and I learned at an early age. Like I would have to go on hikes. I would have to go on ladder. I would just have to confront that fear. And then once you, once you confront it, you realize they're, you know, as long as you're careful, you know, don't, you know, like there's not as much, you know, you don't have to be the fear doesn't have to dominate you. So, so yeah, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, like I was scared to go out on the dance for like, what is, you know, like it, it you know, but, yeah. but you're then once you, you just don't go into the bathroom stall, with <laughs> yeah. that's a whole other thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. You're right. walking different when you come out. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. Literally. <laughs> walking but like, you know, I, I, you know, there, you have to break through that, that comfort level. And I think a lot of people, if you've never experienced that, you've never had to do it. You've been safe in your bubble the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like it, and you, you know, it, you, you're just very insulated. And I think a lot of people that have these ignorant points of view, a lot of people who, for example, participate in the January 6th riot are, are, you know, like they could benefit from, from exposure. And, and 
if, if we're not willing to have those conversations with other people at other times and willing to, to say, I don't agree with the things that you say. In fact, you kind of disgust me, but I'm willing to hear what you have to say so that we can try to, to have a conversation so you can see my humanity. I think we also have to be willing to, to see theirs in some respects. Yeah. It reminds me of that old Heineken commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen it where they, they bring people into a room and they, they like set them up, like, you know, like get them engaged in a conversation about things they like. And then they'll be like, by the way, you know, like Mike is gay or Todd is gay or whatever. And then they like set a beer out and they're like, if you want to continue the conversation, we've got a six pack of Heineken for you, you know, and by and large, once those people had made a human connection, yeah, yeah. They, they sat around and they, they drank their beers and they, you know, and, and, and they realized, but it's that recognition of humanity. And I think for a long time, you know, like, you know, like masculinity almost demands that, that things that are, that are outside of you are, they're the other, they're inhuman mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you, and it's a way to deflect and, and to not have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that, that has to go on all sides. Like we all have to, to be willing to, embrace one another's humanity and, 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 you know, and, and I think that's the only path forward is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Uh, yeah, there's definitely no path forward then. Cause that's never going to happen. People aren't going to sit down and have conversations. <laughs> People are trash. It's it, you know, Listen, we've got like the good angel and the bad angel. I, that's always my role on this thing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I just don't have a lot of faith that people are going to be able to be rational enough to say, Hey, look, we've got to find something that's workable here. Let's sit and talk and find something. Well, I, and I don't, I don't know that it will. Um, I don't know that it. It's not something you can snap your fingers and make happen. I, I think oh yeah, it, for sure. Yeah. You know, but I think it's, I think it's something where generation by generation, we have mm-hmm. to make sure that we are, you know, teaching our children to. Because I know, like with my son, um, you know, when when the when uh, the news coverage of the you know the George Floyd. The, 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 the riots and well, some places were riots, the protest, stuff like that. But, you know, even when you here in Kansas City, when, you know, they set a police car on fire, they set a, a you know news car on fire, the people in the streets are tear gas everywhere. And, yeah. and I, I've got it on TV and I'm he's like, where is this? I was like the plaza about a mile from where I work, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he's like, what? And, and he's like, what's going, you know, and he wants me to explain it. And, and I had to, you know, and then you have to explain like, you know, well. So police killed another man, and, you know, and I, oh, no, 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 you know, and, yeah. and then you have to explain it. And I was, I've been fortunate, like I said, because I've been able to have conversations with gay men, black men, Hispanic men. Like I've been able to, you know, to, I've got friends, uh, you know, and so I could, I've had some deep, meaningful conversations with them about stuff that I can now teach my child, mm-hmm. you know. So like my friend who recently died, I mean, I think it was summer 2014, you know, you've had. Eric Garner and, Eric and Garner Sterling and... Alton and Philando Castile. And then there were the retaliatory shootings of the Dallas police officers. Yeah, and yeah. he came over for dinner. And after dinner, we went out and talked till three in the morning. And one of the parts of the conversation we had was, I said, listen, man, I've been pulled over like 20 some times in my life. I was like various conditions, you know, various things have happened to me, uh, you know, after this police stuff. I said, but never once did I look in the rear view, see the officer coming and think, think I'm probably getting shot. Right. Yeah. And, and so I just, I, I said, I said, let me ask him like, like how many times have you, you know, been pulled over and how many times have you thought, Oh shit, I'm, I, I, I might, you know, he's going to shoot me. And that's what he said. Yeah. That's what he Every said. Every 
goddamn time. He, he looked at me and he said, Todd, there has never been a time that I got pulled over that I didn't think yep. that. And I, that is the fastest you will ever see. Like, I'm getting my <laughs> shit ready so it's sitting on the dash. Yes. My hands can stay on the fucking steering wheel. Right. And, yeah. I, and look, I, I grew up in Raytown, and, and cops were people opportunity bullies when I was growing up. We all knew. 10 and 2, when he asked to see your, your, your insurance card, you're like, Sir, the insurance card is in my glove box. I do not have any weapons in there, but I will have to reach inside momentarily yeah, yeah. to get the piece of paper you're asking me to produce. Yeah. Please do not hit me with the billy club in the back of the head. For sure. So, but even when I'm doing that, I never really thought he was going to yeah. shoot me. You know, I I, yeah. but I just wanted to make sure, like, hey, I don't want to give you a reason. Yeah, yeah. But in hearing my friend, who I love, mm-hmm. and who was one of the kindest, gentlest people that I've ever known, be mm-hmm. like, Literally every time I've been pulled over, I think I'm going to get yeah. shot. And it, and of course, the conversation went deeper and deeper beyond mm-hmm. that. You know, talking about specific times, different things like that. But you know, what I I can now tell my son, I'll be I'll be like, well, this is part of. It. I was I was like, look, you ever been in the car when Miles been pulled over? Yeah, like for speeding one time. He, you know, and I and I'm I'm like, okay, did you think you were going to get shot? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, people like my friend who you consider an uncle who we've had over to our house. For I was sure. like, I was, and this is, and I was like, this is every black person you know feels this way. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, she's being honest. There are parts. She's being honest. She would feel that's yeah. like. She I've had like, a time that I knew I was gonna get shot for sure. Yeah. Like, I got pulled over. I was speeding. Fortunately, I slowed down before I came over that hill, so I didn't get caught going nearly as fast as I was. <laughs> Cop comes up, does his thing. I let him know, hey, and what did he say? Well, just so you know, I have a gun on my right hip. I was working for the sheriff's department at the time. I always carried with me. And he's like, all right, well, just sit tight for a second, blah, blah, blah. He asked, you know, why do you have a gun? I work for the sheriff's department of this county. This is what I do. I always carry. Did you, like, put your hands on your head? No, no, no. My <laughs> hands were glued to the steering wheel. I'm saying when he goes back to the car, like. <laughs> oh, no. Because when he came back to the car, he says, sir, I'm going to need you to step out of the car. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Um, I'm not in Kansas City. I'm on my way to Springfield, Missouri. I'm, like, right outside of, like, just, or just past, like, Clinton, Missouri. Yeah. So not where I want to be after yeah. this. And uh, the first question he asked, he's like, so you said you have a gun on your right hip? Yep. And my hands are like this, frozen right now. And he's like, I need you to pull it off of your hip very slowly. And I was like, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if you just took it. And he's like, no, I can't do that. All right, fine. He's like, just move slow. Yeah, don't worry. This is going to be the slowest (laughs) stop you've ever had. And I like a slop. Just fucking took my tie and I pulled it out of the holster and he's like, just drop it in the window, drop it in the front seat. And he pulls me back to his car. He was super cool after that. But it was fucking terrifying because I know his dash cam can see me pulling a gun from my holster. It is the most justified shoot you will ever fucking have. Because all you got to do is say, I fear for my life. Yep. That's it. I'm fucking done. Yeah, because that's not sound doesn't matter. Yep, my wife is sitting in the passenger seat, so I've got this whole, I'm about to get murdered in front of my wife, like, this is, this is not a situation I want to be in. Fucking terrifying. It was super cool, it worked out really well for me. He knocked my ticket down, he's like, you don't live out here, you don't need to come out for court, just, I'm gonna put it at this, slow the fuck down, also you can't drive because your license is suspended. 
Oh, he was like, he was like, <laughs> No, so he didn't do it. He, <laughs> he, he did. 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 Get back in the driver's seat after we drove like 20 minutes down yeah. the highway. But you know, yeah, I guess it's yeah. being like, yeah, I'll drive. Yeah, I, she drives a lot, but I, we were going to Springfield. That was where I went to college. I made my way down. So, you know, yeah. Well, guys, that was a sidebar conversation. That was good. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to jump back and do that one again uh, so that we can have that conversation too. Yeah. Because uh, you being a part of the police department, I think this debate between oh, yeah, you yeah. would be amazing. Um, but we're sitting like an hour and a half now, and I don't want to, you know. No more two-hour episodes? No more two-hour episodes. I got to get back and cook dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got a black card for this? Oh, but, yeah, yeah, let's do this real quick. Okay. All right, so black card question for the week is, who is the black best rap group of all time? Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> Bone Thugs and Harmony, Outkast, or N.W.A.? Are those four? Wu-Tang. I mean, it's Wu-Tang. So, it's, so here's my problem with Wu-Tang. Oh. <laughs> Here's my problem. Turned into a fight. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. No, no, I think no, I think based on earlier conversation, you'll you'll appreciate why. So this was Wu Tang was was pretty well established at this point, but you know some of the dudes in the band were also starting to like uh, have their Lord Hill moments. um, I guess we'll put it that way. You know, we've already we've already established that frame of reference, right? Yep. Wu Tang and Rage were on tour together, and they were coming to Kansas City. And Wu-Tang punked out and did not play. So we had to pay full freight for the Rage concert. And we stayed because we want, because, like, there's, you know, we we had to, like, growing up, like, to this day, if I am, like, out of my mind in Rage, I throw on Rage's debut album mm-hmm. and just scream with Zach to, to like, bomb track and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I will just, you know, a few, you know, like, yeah, just. Yeah. Feeling paint, but I never, I can't forgive Wu Tang for standing me up. Uh, now, I, you know, right. I can accept this as a, as now, a on the flip side, when Lauren Hill was touring after Miseducation mm-hmm. with Outcast, mm-hmm. I had seats to row double A, like a bottom. My girlfriend was really mm-hmm. into it, so we got the tickets. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the theater we went to is the Midland Theater here in Kansas City. Okay. Turns out double A is the front row of the Midland Theater right behind the orchestra. So it was me and my college girlfriend front and center for Lauren Hill and Outcast, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. So I would probably have to say Outcast, but if you had asked me 20 years ago, the answer absolutely would have been Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> Whoa! Wait a minute, he just touched Whoa! Today it would be Outcast, but 20 years ago. But you got to understand, I grew up in, I grew up going to Raytown High School, and first of the month, like wake up, wake up, wake yeah, up. Yeah, like 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 that was that was on the pregame soundtrack to every high school basketball game I went to yeah, in the mid nineties, and uh, and then after my brother died, like there was one time. So I don't even know if you know this part. My uh, my uh, my aunt ended up um, she ended up in in court ordered like rehab facility for a mm-hmm. while, and ended up marrying this reformed crackhead named Alfred. Alfred. Um, was was very black, very short. She was like six foot two. Um, you know, my I, my my 
part of my family grew up in the deep south, like backwoodsy 1920s North Carolina. Awesome. Um, so there were, you know, there were there were there was delicate situations, delicate mm-hmm. dynamics, but. We went down to visit, and Alfred had this old Trans Am with one headlight out, T-tops missing. But we, he took us out cruising in Pensacola. You have, I do know this story. He took us out cruising in Pensacola, and it was the only place my brother and I could like chain smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. as like 16, 17-year-olds, because like we couldn't do it outside of where it was. So Uncle Alfred would just drive us around. We're listening to Bone, like the crossroads. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, when my brother passed a few years, you know, 2007, like... The crossroads took on, yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so like I said, if you asked me 20, 25 years ago, I'd say bone, but my final answer would be outcast. Outcast is a good answer too. Okay, I mean, answer. Andre, fantastic. Andre about three thousand is not, uh, it's not human. He's not of this world. Right. Big boy also really skilled. Uh, he's he's good. Um, Wu Tang was very. Right. RZA had everybody handpicked for a specific role. They they were a powerhouse. Now, if you're talking who's the better artist, like who, who put out you know the better the better catalog, I would mm-hmm. I would have to reluctantly concede Wu Tang. But I'm still so bitter that that the one time I was going to get to see them live, they no doubt they, they ghosted yeah. me. Yeah, that. Like I give, I give your answer all the points for that <laughs> because yeah, because that that Lauren Hill Outcast show at the Midland, uh-huh. like um, so Outcast does their their thing and like I, you know, I this is like probably ninety eight, um, I think, and so it might have been ninety nine, but so I I didn't know that many. I I knew Mrs. Jones. That was about the only Outcast song yeah, I know. Yeah. They're opening, and I knew I knew you know Miss Education. I knew some of the Fuji stuff, mm-hmm. like for for Lauren Hill, but. So Outkast, that like, kind of blew my mind, like seeing them, you know, seeing them live and hearing their full set. And then, you know, Lauren Hill comes out. But halfway through her set, she stopped and called Outkast back out. And, like, right. you know, they had, like, a 13-piece band that was traveling with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they just started battling. It was almost like verses. That's cool. Yeah. But it was just it was just Lauren Hill would just, with her pianist, like, have her throw down a beat. And she'd just start rapping some, mm-hmm. you know, like, classic song. You know, maybe that's when she'd throw out some of her Fuji stuff, Killing Me Softly, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And then Outcast would just like throw down, you know, and yeah. and they, you know, they throw, you know, they they might do some Run DMC or they, you know, yeah. uh, stuff like that. But so so that part was really cool because they were just kind of battling back and forth for like twenty minutes on the stage, just you know, that's nice. To, that to would a, be okay. So that and, would be in their peak. That so. wouldn't happen now because Lauren Hill wouldn't show up. No, yeah. right. <laughs> right. All right. What's your answer to this? All right. So um, I have to think of this because there are classic NWA is out for me. I don't care. I mean, I don't really. I thought that was going to be your pick. No. I was almost certain that would be your pick. not going to be like, I'm an East Coast boy. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But of the other three. I was, was going to say, I was, I was West Coast. <laughs> West Coast was but I, I, was, I was West Side Tupac. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you look at the other three, I, what you said about Wu-Tang is, is spot on. Like Everyone had their lane, and they were really good at their lane. Um, Bone Thugs, I was never really the biggest fan of, but like their hits, I know. Like you yeah. know their songs. Yeah, I was literally just having a conversation yesterday about how I don't like Bone Thugs. Yeah, yeah. Just, I was never really big, yeah. the big fan, but like I know <laughs> their stuff. And like my mom did Wishbone's hair one time, and we like that was cool. Um, Outcast is like classic, mm-hmm. classic. 
you know, I still will listen to Bombs Over Baghdad if we get hyped. Amazing. Yeah. Like, and, but when I think about Wu-Tang and specifically solo projects, because mm-hmm. I was, because as a, as a, a unit, you know, the 36 Chambers, Return to 36 mm-hmm. Chambers, they're all great, but there would not be the solo projects yep. if it weren't for the cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite albums of all time is Old Dirty Bastards' uh, second album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nigga, please. It is one of my favorite albums of like it is. There is a song on there that I. It is so bad, it's good. Um, the Good Morning Heartache remake he does a ten minute limo, and she's they're singing together. It's a ballad. It is a ballad. They are singing, and he is off key and terrible. And then you have Lord, you have Lil Mo just giving you the best performance of this song I've ever heard. Nice. And he's in the background just butchering yeah, it. That's appropriate for him now. You know, and it's it's yeah, it's and then like you've got Got Your Money with Khalees on oh, it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've got the, the all the the Chris Rock intros. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that album to me was like like it is that is 19, and I was working at the music store at that time, mm-hmm. so I had like, I had an edited version and an unedited version because uh-huh. I bought yeah. the edited version because like, I grew up, you could listen to music for custom in my mama's house. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had the unedited version that I got for free from the store, mm-hmm. and then I bought the unedited version that I could listen to like, when I was like, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I had listened to that and then the Cal album. Um, yeah. You know, Listening to uh, you only built for Cuban links, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there are all of these albums that are woo affiliated mm-hmm. that like are ingrained in classic to me mm-hmm. that like I have to go with Wu Tang. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, That's, I felt the same way about like the Fugees. Like if you, you know, they, they had a short run, and so I think that probably is kind of disqualifying for them. But if you look the sum of their parts and what came mm-hmm. for that right. initial collaboration yeah. um, is specialty. Well, yeah. I'm going to ask one more question and then, right. I'm gonna, then we're going to wrap it up just because we just talked about Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's a really good question. We talk about Lauren Hill being legendary. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a legendary artist, mm-hmm. but she's only put out one real full-length album. Mm-hmm. And though that album is a classic album, does that consider Lauren Hill for legendary status? If you count her time in the Fugees, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can put her in the, I don't think you put her on a Mount Rushmore um, because she didn't have the, the staying power or doesn't have the, the depth. But um, I, the thing about her is um, everything she did, like everything that's out there that she's done it's is, good. is, is top yeah, notch. Like she, sure. you know, whereas, and that's rare for artists to, to not have a dud here though. D'Angelo yeah. has no duds. I'm gonna have to get you to the D'Angelo albums. <laughs> they're really good. Right. Like you might make another baby with the D'Angelo albums. <laughs> um, but it's like, and, and even some of their some stuff like the like the the Lauren Hill Unplugged. It took me a second to understand the artistry of the Lauren Hill Unplugged album mm-hmm. because it, because in the beginning it just sounds like noise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like none of she didn't do any of the. Yeah, she did a Kanye album. She didn't do it. Well, she didn't do any like. There's no classic, no classic songs. Other songs from this education. It's all new stuff. Mm-hmm. It all feels like scratch demos, mm-hmm. where she's just riffing. Mm-hmm. And but it's, you know, now that I'm a little bit older and like 
you're like, oh, she's like dropping gems in the album, you know, like this was just a, a, a riffing concert. And then like there's a couple of uh, like unreleased stuff. Like there was an unreleased album called Miss Hill that I've heard snippets of, and it's pretty good. Um, but like, I think I don't know if I would quite give her. Yeah, definitely, Miss Education is a legendary album. Yeah. It's a classic album, and you know, but I don't know if I would necessarily give Lauren legendary status herself because you do have to group her in with the Fugees to get a full body of work. Can we all agree that none of those boys are magic? What? What are we talking here, though? I mean, if we're talking... I just just want to look at Jason. Okay. (laughs) I can tell that's going to be... I hated boys to men. Like, I hate... I I was hooked for Motown Philly. (laughs) Motown Philly, great. Everything else after that, I was like, I'm so tired of hearing y'all whining and singing these slow ass. Like I get, like no, don't get me wrong. So there are good, like uh ah, that's the name of the song in my head. But like, it's a great song. But like, everything was slow and like, especially coming up as like, like when Boys to Men was popular. I don't care, but I didn't want to hear ballads. You know what I mean? I wanted to hear things that I could dance to, and mm-hmm. Boys to Men didn't really do that. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I was a Jodeci fan. Yeah. So, yeah. question about Lauryn Hill. Um, can we consider her a legend or like the iconic artist? No, I don't think she had enough for that. Was she amazing? Was she incredibly talented? Absolutely. Had she continued, she probably would have been. But right. we don't have the evidence to back it up, so I have to say no, unfortunately, and I hate it. She's good as fuck. She's fucking amazing. I just can't say, oh, this is one of those iconic artists of this time period. Well, I can't say, I can't give it to her because she won't show up to a show. You don't have the track record to be that big of an asshole to people. Right. That's it. If you had 30 fucking albums, everyone solid, just... If you had two albums, <laughs> everyone was solid. You know what I mean? Like, every one of them was solid. Yeah, you know, yeah. no skips, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you pulled D'Angelo and put out one album in 96, another album in 2000, and then 2015 for your mm-hmm. third album, and all of them are solid, mm-hmm. and all of them are good, mm-hmm. then I can give you legendary status. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have... You, you have put the work power. in. You have the staying power. Yeah. But you can't put it... But you've given us... One regular, one regular album as a solo artist. One regular album, one unplugged album. Both of them are good for different reasons, and then, and, and nothing then, since then. And then a whole lot of uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you put you, and you can't do the original songs in your concerts because you don't have the rights to it. But I, I do think that yeah. I do think that another thing that needs to be recognized in that question though is if you're if you're talking about if you take it outside just the music and you take it outside, you take it to social, the, the, the impact they had on society, the conversation. Absolutely legendary. The, well, no, I'm talking about NWA. I oh, think, yeah. I think takes on a different, uh, you know, takes on a different status there, too, because I mean, I mean, I remember we all remember like when NWA came to town, like like all the white ladies standing outside the arena doing live shots talking about, oh, my God. Yeah, no, NWA, NWA yeah. changed. <laughs> yep, NWA, sure. yeah, NWA sure. and, and, and Luke. Luke. Luther 
people changed music. Yeah. They are the reason why we had those parental advisory stickers. No doubt. Um, right. And and you know, and they and they I mean they were the, the group that basically said it's you know, that was like fuck you, we're here, deal with it. You yeah. know, no, and, no. And, and in a lot of ways, I mean you you we all know like that was like mid nineties to mid two thousands, that's what rap became was fuck you, I'm here, deal with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, for fuck sure. the police was yeah. there's yeah. a reason why fuck the police is still relevant as a song you know 30 years later yeah yeah but you know because nothing that much has changed Mm -hmm. so they yeah everybody i think every every group on here deserves their flowers i mean this is i still gotta get points bone thugs but listen i hate it i fucking hate it because i don't like i don't like first of the month is a a bop you know what i mean it's the thuggish but you know what what makes the thuggish right bone Amazing is not Bone Thugs, it's the female backing. Yep, yep. Because she sang for her life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is what, when people think of that song, like, when you, if you say Thuggish Buggish Bone, everybody's being, it's like, it's the Thuggish Buggish Bone. Like, yeah. she riffs for her entire life on that yeah. song. Well, but, I was telling you, like, watching, because I, I, Teron Lou played on my you know, the, the basketball team. Like, I mean, I still, I still see, a, a, you know, an 18-year-old Teron Lou like, warming up when I hear Bone Thugs and Harmony. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, as on that note, we are going to uh, end this tonight. Uh, if are you gonna, Are you going to have Boys to Men into the road playing this out? I won't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe to us on all the places where you can stock your ex. Um, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we have a Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash casey caffeine uh todd you have a podcast um, yeah if you're a chief fan uh, uh my buddy nick watches an insane amount of th- i know before the cleveland browns playoff game he went back and literally watched all 17 games the browns had played to study them just to prepare for the us to talk about the browns during the podcast that's like, a little dedication i don't no, have yeah no he's 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 a little bit insane um but you know, we, we have a good time. Um, and it's fourth and one, right? Yeah, fourth and one podcast. So yep. fourth and one podcast. I'm you know I'm sure it's thank you for you know coming down the street. <laughs> you're coming down to our level to come on our little show. Um, Mike's in the bathroom, but it's fine. Uh, you know, if you want to talk to Mike, you just have to find the uh, the rock and talk into it. Maybe he'll get back to you. Um, also, new news, uh, I am joining a web show. Uh, it's called The Tribe Live. Uh, our first episode is actually this Friday. Um, and we are going to be discussing cancel culture. So this will be a different, similar conversation to what we had today. Uh, but it's a bunch of black creatives from all different walks of life. There's some all of people all over the, the political spectrum. Uh, and we just discuss what whatever's happening so that'll be fun uh we'll see how long this lasts for me before i get kicked off for saying something rude um but uh that's it for us tonight thank you guys for coming thank you todd for for coming in and guesting thank you mike as always for being here uh and guys don't forget to stay woke and we'll see you later